Amen. Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter number 8. Boy, I'm glad he paid a debt he did not owe, aren't you? Amen. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to hold the door open or hold my mule one. I don't know. Mm. Thank God I'm saved. Amen. Romans 5, 6 comes to mind in all of that. It's for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. I couldn't have paid the debt even if I had to. I I couldn't have done nothing. If it depended on me, Miss Denisha, there's nothing that I could have done. There's a hymn. There's a hymn. Um, is it just as I am? I can't remember. But it says I come to Him without one plea. Yeah, amen. Lord, I don't, I don't deserve it. That's right. I, 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 could, I couldn't begin to brag and say, God, look what I have done. Look who I have become. So surely I deserve this free gift of salvation. Mm. No. Yeah. Is it the same song or maybe not? In my hand no price I bring, simply to the cross I cling. My goodness gracious. Mark chapter number 8. My heart is just full up. Overflowing and scared to death this morning. If I can, I want to preach on the worth of a soul. The worth of a soul. And it's fitting that those two songs were sang this morning. Because, listen now, we were worthless. But I'm glad that Jesus Christ paid the debt. I'm glad that He paid the ultimate debt for you and I this morning. And He did that for a people that was worth nothing. But in God's eyes, we are not worthless, Brother Bobby. Mark chapter number 8, verse number 34 will start. And when He had called the people unto Him with His disciples also, He said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I'm going to stop and, and, and I may take a little bit of time right here. This, this is not to, this word after, it is not when Jesus is gone and someone else comes and replaces him, but this is if you're going to follow me. If you're going to get in line behind me and follow my steps, and and that's what we ought to be doing. He said, if you're going to do that and you follow after me, he said, let him deny himself. Deny himself. Then he says, take up his cross and follow me. 
Let's look at verse number 35. For whosoever will save his life, what did he tell us to do in verse 34? He said, deny himself. Now he says, if you will save your life, you shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Amen. I have to, I have to refer back to Paul just because it's so fresh on my mind. The sufferings that Paul endured. Barnabas also endured. John Mark, Titus, Timothy, Silas. These men, they bore the marks of the cross. James, one of the disciples, the apostle James, they bore the mark. Peter bore the marks of the cross. And, and Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, if you'll lose your life for my sake and for the gospel's sake, you shall find it. There's, there's something in that that we need to get a hold of. Amen. Because in our modern Christianity, our modern churches, we, we make a profession and then we go about our days. We go about our lives as if nothing has changed. But everything has changed. We have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Everything has changed. We are no longer headed to hell as I preached last Sunday, but there is a better land. Amen. And we are going to that better. Everything has changed. The old man has passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are no longer that old man. We are no longer going to die a second. We might die the first time, but we will never die again. We may, we may breathe our last breath here, but Samuel, we will never, we will never have to worry about that second death when death and hell are coughed up and thrown into the lake of fire. We'll never have to deal with that again. Miss, Miss Irene, my boss man, his name was Tom Collins back down in Florida. He said, do you realize that the lost man, he is born once, but he dies twice, but the saved man is born twice and not only dies once. And I thought about that, and I was a teenager, and I said, but that's pretty good. That's true, but that's, I never thought about that. He says, if you're gonna, if you're, if you'll lose your life for my sake and for the gospel's sake, you'll find it. Amen. For what shall it profit a man? This is the, verse 36 and 37 is our text. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. What will it profit a man if he gains everything, but he loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? I'm going to read verse 37 again. Jesus asked two questions. Verse 37, He says, What shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? Look at verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of whom also the Son of Man be be ashamed, when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So he gives us some, some things here in these few verses that we need to look at. But I need to be careful and deal only with verse 36 and verse 37 
in the context of the message on my heart this morning. If you will, pray with me. Father, we ask for your help and your touch today. Lord, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter number 6, I believe it is, he says that they should pray for him, that utterance may be given, that he may speak the word of God boldly. And so, God, I ask that for myself. I pray you'll give us unction and utterance that I, that I might speak the word of God boldly. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross of Calvary because that's what we want to lift up, the cross. We want to lift up the sufferings of Christ. We want to lift up your son today. I ask you that you'd get the glory in the message. I pray that you'd touch that person, Lord, that may be closest to hell or closest to heaven. I pray, God, that you'll do a work in someone's heart today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I want to try to preach on the thought, the worth of a soul. Our importance in life is often hidden. Men and women, Brother David did a tremendous job this morning in Sunday school. If you were here and you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Brother David, I'm telling you, that's wonderful. And and in the message, he began to talk about the, the sanctity of life. And he began to talk about abortion. And in that, my mind went back. And I'm going to share a, a poem with Brother David after church. But um, a friend of mine wrote this. And and in it, she, she discussed maybe what an aborted child could have been. And, and as we think about that, I think about the, the two little girls that, that we miscarried. And I, I just kind of wonder what they would look like today. And, and maybe what, what would their personalities be like? Ashlyn and Braylon are as different as night and day. So what would these girls have been? And would they look like their mother or me? Or would they be, God forbid, redheaded? Um, what, what would they, what would they be like? And, and, and I think about, Many people that grow up and, and they, they have no idea what they are or who they are and, and they often grow to adulthood and they still, they have no idea what they want to do in life. They have no plan. Uh, they have no stamina. They have no, no nothing to get ahead in life. Their, their worth is hidden. Their importance is hidden to themselves. A lot of times we spend money on how we look. On the clothes that we wear, our our hairdos, our makeup, our our, our just our, our physical bodies, we we spend money to try to make the outside appear worthy of something. But the Lord Jesus called attention to the soul. He said, "What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world?" And lose his own soul. I ask you this morning just two quick questions in introduction. Have you considered the value of your soul? Your soul. Some time ago, probably three years ago now, my heart was was heavily impressed on the thought of suicide. Now, let me clarify. I was not suicidal. Okay. But my heart was burdened because of people that I'd heard about that had committed suicide or had contemplated or even attempted suicide. My heart was burdened. I began to study through it, through statistics and this, that, and the other. 
And many of those that, that are so depressed and discouraged to that point, they find within themselves absolutely no worth at all. In spite of their accomplishments, in spite of their looks, in spite of things, their possessions, you look down through the statistics and you'll find many are very successful men and women. There's many that are good looking, they have the charisma, they have everything. I think about a comedian, I'll not say his name out of respect for him, but you think about a comedian that committed suicide several years ago, one of the funniest people that, that our generation has known, even though he's very vulgar at times, but he's very funny, but behind the smile there was pain. There was a, 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 a sense of worthlessness. I reiterate my first point in the introduction. Our importance or our worth is often hidden. Have you considered the value of your soul? Now, I'm not trying to encourage you to be a better person or to think better of yourself. I'm going to give you the gospel message here in just a minute, but I want you to get where I'm going. Now that we've asked the question, have you considered the worth of your soul? Have you considered the worth of someone else's soul? Have you considered that drug addict or that alcoholic? Have you considered, and I know I might step on somebody's toes right here, have you considered that man or that woman that is living all alone and they have absolutely nothing to their name they don't look the part. They don't look like they'd be a good companion. They don't look like they'd be a good friend. But have you considered the worth of their soul? Amen. When you come into town, when you come south into town, you have the real pretty America sign and then all of a sudden you find yourself with ghettos on either side of the road. As you come into town, do you, when you're going 45 miles an hour, do you consider the worth of those souls that are in those buildings? I don't know where it was at. I guess coming home from Florida the other day, <clears throat> I looked and there was, Brother Stanley, I, I, without a word of lie, I thought it was an abandoned house. I saw it going and I just so happened to see it coming again. And I saw it and I looked and there was an, an older lady on the porch, a chair, a rocking chair, and two little girls come out the front door running to their mom. And I thought, I thought that place was abandoned. Looked like it should have been. But do we consider the worth of their soul? You that have employees, and I know what it, I know how it is. You're over these people and you, you, you're, you're their, their boss, you're their employer, whatever it means, whatever it is. But do you consider the worth of their soul? Brother Stanley, when you were, when you were working with the fire department and you came upon a, a fire, maybe, maybe uh, at a time, maybe it was a wreck. I don't know the different circumstances that you were there. I wonder, uh, and not just pointed at you, but to anyone, when you come across that, do you think about that soul? Do they deserve mercy? Do they deserve grace? Oftentimes, if we look just at what we see, the answer would clearly be no. <laughs> but I'm so glad that God didn't see me. 
<laughs> in the shape that I was in. Yeah. But I'm glad to report that God saw me as only He can. Yeah. And He saw me for what I could be. This morning, I want to deal with the worth of a soul. And that was the pretty much the, the length of it. And I'll give you these few points and I'm going to the house. I want us to see number one. Christ asked a question. Number one, Christ asked a question. And we see first of all, what shall it profit a man? There are many in the world today, some here, that you're searching for riches. You're searching for, listen, more outside of God. All of that is in vain. Now let me tell you, if you've got money, if you've got a bunch of money in your bank account, I'm not jealous of you and I'm not critical of you. I, I don't, I don't believe that that is an issue. Yeah. If you got money, praise God. Amen. If you don't have money, <laughs> praise God. Amen. Yeah. I've asked God, I don't know how many times, for a million dollars. And at least a million times, He said no. Because He knows I'd blow a million dollars. But boy, I've just, uh-uh. There's been a few times. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. There's been a few times that God's entrusted me with a with a somebody putting some money in my hand for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. He says, I'm not going to give you a million dollars, but I'm going to give you this. Yeah. There's been several times that I've checked the, the mail and there's been a check from somebody that loves God and Amen. for whatever reason they love me. <laughs> there's been a whole lot of times. Nathan, that God's provided my needs. I wasn't worth it, but He did it. So there's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. Did y'all hear me? I'm not being critical this morning. Nothing wrong with those things. But outside of Christ, if all you're trying to do is 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 gain and gain and gain and build and build and build and, and get and get and get, what Shall it profit a man, he says, if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? I had to fill out some paperwork yesterday. And in it, one of the choices were, he was asking about living situation. Do you rent? Do you own a home? Are you staying with a family member? Are you homeless? And it gave special instructions for those that are homeless. Man, my heart broke. Because I sit alone sometimes and I think about how little I think I have. And then I realize there's people in a lot worse than my predicament. <laughs> I probably won't preach this morning. I'm just too full. <laughs> During camp meeting this Sunday, Brother Josh Adams and his family they came to our house, and he pulled up and he said, "He said, brother, look at this house." I said, "I know." 
And he came in, he looked, and he went in this corner, and he looked over here, and he went and looked outside, and he said, How'd you get this house? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> and I began to tell him. And y'all may remember in his message, he kept saying, God's people. Yeah. <laughs> and inside, I, I, was, I, I was tired of talking about it, so inside I ran a few laps. I don't understand it. Yeah. If all we try to do is get and gain, but we lose our soul, what a shame. Mention those homeless folks. There's some, as far as I know, everybody has a home this morning. Some homes are better than others. Some are worse than others. Regardless, whether you're homeless or you've got a mansion, I want you to know something. God's extended grace and mercy. Regardless of your situation, God's given grace and God's given mercy. And you may hope and you may wish and you may pray for something better and maybe God will honor that. I don't know. But more than something better in this life, I want to encourage you this morning, make sure you have something better in the next life. Don't get excited about the mansions on the hilltops. and Don't get excited about all those. I, I'm not too excited about any of those. I'm not excited about the street of gold. I'm not, I'm not excited about it. It's interesting, but that's not what gets me excited. The, ex- <laughs> the excitement is who's sitting on the throne. The excitement is the fact that I'm going to get to see God eyeball to eyeball. And, yeah. and I'm going to get to walk on the street of gold one of these days with Jesus hand in hand. Yeah. I'm going to get to see my Savior, as the song says in our hymn book, my Savior first of all. Yeah. And I, get, I don't know why I want to see Him, but, but Brother Terry, I, I, I get to see the nail prints in His hands and, and in His feet. And I, I, I get to see maybe the, the prints of the thorns around His brow. But more than all of those things, I want to see His eyes. I want to see Him eyeball to eyeball. I learned a long time that when you talk to someone and you're very intent in the conversation, you need to have eye contact. And one of these days, I don't know how it's going to happen most certainly, but I want to look Him eyeball to eyeball and not say, I appreciate everything that you've done, but I want to say thank you. For finding worth in me. Thank you for loving me. He can love every town in Texas if he wants to, but he loved me. I'm thankful this morning. One of these days, I'm about open the door, Hannah, I'm coming your way. One of these days, I'm going to see him face to face, Nicholas. And I'll get to thank you. Because if everyone else, including myself, Found or finds me worthless. Christ, God the Father, saw something in me worth saving. Titles on earth, they're temporary. Called 
made a phone call a few weeks ago, two weeks ago now, and somehow or another, <laughs> somehow or another, they 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 put the title on my name instead of Mister. They put Reverend. And when I called them, they said, "Hello, Reverend Burke." And now I looked at the phone, see if they're talking to me. I just don't like that title. I know people do and people don't. I, I'm one of those that don't. I, I, I think God is reverent and we need to reverence Him, not men. But titles are just temporary. A lot of times relationships are just temporary. Solomon said throughout Ecclesiastes, but in chapter 1, he established that all is vanity. The things that we strive for, they're, they're vain, they're fleeting. But wisdom tells us that we need to care for a soul. And Jesus says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You may be saying, well, I don't have the whole world. I have absolutely nothing. There is no better condition that you can find yourself in because it is then that the only thing that you truly need is Christ. Amen. That's right. Christ can be a shelter when you have none. Amen. Christ can be peace and comfort when everything else fails. You're trying to get ahead, trying to gain it all without Christ, without God, it's all in vain. He said you lose your own soul. Number two, quickly. The cost of the cross was priceless. I've already established this line of thinking, but have you ever wondered if, if God or if Christ loved you? You look around, maybe in here this morning, you look around and you say, well, I can see why God would love Him and and I can see why God would love her, but I just can't see why God would love me, and I just don't think God loves me. Can I can I tell you this? That Jesus endured the cross for every this is an old phrase for every sin sick soul. Yeah. Amen. Christ, Jesus Christ endured the cross. For every poor sinner. Listen to this. The price that Jesus paid on Calvary made salvation possible. That's not new. That's not a new way of thinking. But just in case you've never heard that this morning, I want to make sure you know the only way to salvation, the only way of salvation it's through the blood of Christ. Amen. For thousands of years, people tried to stay right with God by killing and sacrificing animals. But one day, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, laid down His own life. And He did that for you. Isaiah chapter number 53, verse 5 and 6. But He was wounded for our transgressions. Our transgressions. Jesus was wounded for. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. Verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord hath laid on Him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. He took the chastisement that was meant for us. He took it upon Himself. So if you've ever wondered, does Jesus see any worth in me? Yeah, He does. Nobody else may, but Jesus does. The writers of the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all wrote about the agony of the cross. We read it most of the time about the cross. We read around Easter. For some reason, we've got into a habit of thinking about the cross the week or so before Easter. But every day, it do us well to remember what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. The thief on the cross, he came face to face with Jesus. And at that point, he realized that there was a need in his own soul. Now you remember there was two thieves. One cursed God. The only, the other one prayed. The other one prayed and he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He realized at that point in the final moments of his life, he had to get honest about his own worth. He realized he was worth nothing. Amen. He'd already been weighed and found wanting. He'd already been tried and found guilty. He was worthless. He was moments away from dying. And he looked at the Savior on the cross. And he said, Lord, if you will, remember me. When you go to your kingdom. And Jesus said. Today. Shalt thou be with me in paradise. You may be moments away from your last breath. This morning. And if God has nudged your heart. Today. Is the day of salvation. I wouldn't wait till tomorrow. That's just me. Number three, the contrast of time and eternity. We're fixing to leave. There's a contrast between time and eternity. We need to face this contrast every day of our lives. James chapter number one, verse 10 and 11, it says life is, it's like that flower that just fades away. But the rich, he says in verse number 10, but the rich in that he has made love, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth. And the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. The beauty is driven away, he says. Life is like a vapor. James chapter 4 now, verse number 13 and 14. 
He says, go to now. Ye that say today or tomorrow will go into a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. That'd be a good question for us to leave here today with. What is your life? We're not talking, Brother Kurt, we're not talking about getting out a notebook and tallying up all of the good things that we've done. We're not talking about tallying up all the accomplishments that we've made and all the successes and all the awards. That's not what we're talking about. What is your life? In view of eternity, what do you have to offer? I can answer it like this. We have nothing to offer. Brother Eric, Christ. Brother Terry, if I had to, if I had to, to appear before God right now, the accuser of the brethren, Satan's on one side, and Jesus, my advocate's on the other. I'm standing before the judge, and the judge would say, "How do you plead?" In my flesh, I'd want to say guilty because I am. Yeah. Satan would, would, would want, he'd be jumping up and down if I said guilty. But my attorney said, Christ. There's nothing else that you need to plead. Just plead Christ. Amen. Plead the blood. Hey. Brother Jim, as I stand before the judge, and he's he's up there, he's all decked out in his robes, and he asks me, little old me, how do you plead? And I speak the name of Christ. I don't know enough about legal terms to really grasp it all, Brother Kurt. He may say the debt is finished. The debt is paid. Maybe that's what he does. He, he may say case dismissed. He may say the, 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 the hit the gavel and say all remarks closed. The case is done. He's been tried. He's pleaded the blood of Christ. The penalty has already been paid. The price has already been paid. The ransom has already been paid. Redemption has already taken place. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. The only way that it happened is because of Christ. Brother John, that's the only way. <laughs> that's the only way we can appear righteous before God is through Christ. I'm not going to turn there, but Luke chapter number 12 and then Luke chapter 16. We were in 16 last week, but Luke chapter 12 talks about a rich man. He built a bunch of barns. He got pride. He built a bunch of barns. And he essentially said, look what I've done. And God met with him and he said, thou fool. Luke chapter 16, we read last week about that rich man. He fared. 
well. He was clothed well. Everything was good. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. There's a contrast between time and eternity. You may think you have time, but in the grand scheme of eternity, our little bit of time that we have here, in the book of Psalms, verse number 90, or chapter number 90, it says that they are three score years and ten. That's seventy years. I said that's the span of man. I mean, no disrespect. Some of you in here today, you are that age or older. Some of you are just a few years away. Some of you are decades away. Still, some of you, that's a whole lifetime away. But know that we're not promised 70 years. Amen. And there's some folks maybe today that they are, they are banking on living until 70 or 80 or 90 years old, which you may have but a day left. And you're trying to sow all of your your wild oats and you're trying to do everything and you're trying to be popular. You're trying to make it look like you have so much worth in and of yourself. But know this. I've said it time and again. Without Christ, we are nothing. Amen. So the time that we have on earth Contrasted against the time of eternity is very small. I ask you today, have you considered the worth of your soul? You may get out a notebook and you may begin to say, well, maybe not I've done all of these things good, but maybe I've done all these things bad. And you may be able to fill up a notebook. In one prayer, in one prayer to God, God can wipe all of that away. Amen. He can seal it up in a bag. He can cast it behind his back. The old timers used to say they put it in the sea of forgetfulness. Either way, if God forgives it, He's promised to forget it. So then you can take that notebook that you filled up with all the wrongs that you've done and you can burn it. Because in God's eyes, it's all gone. And guess what? You can be a new creature. A new man. Every year, Brother Kurt, people turn over new leaves and they make resolutions. And maybe you've tried that. Maybe you tried it in January and then you tried it in March and you've tried it in May now. And it's fixing to be June and you're still that same old person. Maybe it's time to just give God a try. Amen. I can promise you, Psalm chapter 34, I believe it is. Let me, let me just double check. Psalm 34. Is that where he says that's Proverbs? They've moved Psalms. 
chapter 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Psalm 34, 8. I said, try God and see. You've tried everything else. Why don't you try God? He says, oh, taste and see. We come with a song of invitation. I told you that lifespan of man is about 70 years. And I know some people that, that are in their 90s now. Some are pushing a hundred. But still, compared to eternity, that's a very short time. Eternity is forever. And I know we can't grasp that. It's hard for us to grasp that. But in Romans chapter 6 verse 23, it paints a very dim picture. And then it shines the light so brightly on that dimness that it's all gone. It's for the wages of sin is death. Are you in sin this morning? Then guess what? Your worth, what you deserve is death and hell and judgment. But that's not the end of that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the light that is Christ will shine upon the sin in your life and drive it away. Have you considered your worth? Psalms chapter 8, verse number 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now don't dismiss verse 16. You've heard it in Sunday school. You've heard it in Bible school. and You've lived your life and you've, you've allowed it to roll around in your mind somewhere. But won't you bring it to the forefront of your mind and remember the words, for God so loved the world. That includes every single one of us. When you leave this house this morning and you go somewhere and you find somebody that's absolutely unlovable, know that God loved them. He said that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. I read it at the onset of the message, Romans 5, 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. You may feel worthless, but I want you to know that your soul is priceless. You may feel like there is absolutely nothing that you can offer and nothing that you can do to deserve salvation. And you are exactly right. But He has done everything that He needs to do to give it to you. To give salvation. To give everlasting life. You may be forsaken by everyone. But Jesus said in John 15, 13, 
Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Jesus is a friend. Proverbs says he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. John 1, verse 11 through 13. He, Jesus, came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. See, Jesus is a giver of life. He didn't come for you and I to begin with. He came to His own, to the Jews. But because, and it was prophesied that they would do so, because they rejected Him, He offered the Gospel to everyone. Peter said that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's stand. Maybe you need to come to the altar this morning. You come. You find you a place to pray. You ask God to do a work in your heart. Now if God's not spoke to you, then you stay right where you are. I'm not forcing anything on you. But if you need what God has for you, you could do nothing better today than come to this altar and accept what God has.